underway with another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. And welcome to it. We have seen the spread of snowfall all across the state of Nebraska, west to east. And uh, we've kind of been watching the progress of it. We understand that it has just now gotten into uh, the stomping grounds of Shaley Peters. Worms, Nebraska is now receiving snowfall. It's quite the trick on this Halloween day here. <laughs> Absolutely is. Uh, I don't know if it's a treat for a lot of people who are still trying to get out in those fields right now. Not so much, no. All right. Well, we promised everybody that we would play our version of Where's Waldo? Where's Susan today? And we'll uh, get our first clue from Shaley. Susan wised up and is heading somewhere much warmer. <laughs> Where could that possibly be? She's uh, she's leaving on a jet plane, huh? Leaving on a jet plane, currently in the air, I imagine, and um, somewhere that won't be affected. Here's a nice little clue that won't be affected by the time change this weekend. Won't. Okay, won't be affected. So that's some place that doesn't change from daylight to standard time. There's two places in the country, Brandon, fill us in where those places could be. Indiana, which probably isn't a whole lot warmer, or Arizona. Ding, 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 ding. She is en route to Tucson, Arizona mm-hmm. for USMEF, U.S. Meat Export Federation, uh, <laughs> one of their annual meetings. And so, like I said, the wise one of the bunch, apparently, between us, because <laughs> it's, I'm sure, not snowing in Tucson, Arizona. Probably not. Okay, well, we'll listen for Susan's reports <laughs> on that as she heads off to the uh, uh, Meat Federation folks. Uh, what do you have for us today from the uh, Ag Department, Shane? Well, quite the slate coming up at midday. Um, 12.13, Trade Lawyer is apparently telling companies to prepare for no NAFTA. Of course, that's been in the news a lot lately, and he is leaning towards the not going to happen. We'll uh, see exactly what he has to say there. Then at 12.19, Dewey has Dean Hafta with Water Street solutions on they're going to be talking about thinking ahead to 2018 which if you know farmers and ranchers they're always thinking ahead to that Mm -hmm. next crop year uh or next calving season so they'll be discussing that at 12:45. bryce duskett has our newsmaker and bryce if anybody knows him he's kind of our resident drone guy he's got his own drone we've got one set up for him and he knows what he's doing. So he is going to talk with another guy who knows what he's doing, Wayne Wold, director of the Nebraska Unmanned Aircraft Innovation Research and Education Laboratory, which is quite the mouthful, but they've got a new project with water management and drones, and so Bryce is discussing that at 1245. All right, we got to move ahead. Sorry, i got to get Brandon and Bob in here yet. Still basking in the glory of the Chiefs' win. Ah, are you a basker? I am a basker and also a proud Missourian. So Chiefs, well done last night. They're now 6-2. and two. Travis Kelsey, seven, passes, seven catches, 433 yards, and, of course, a touchdown, 29-19 win over Denver. That's not necessarily the reason Jason's not here, but it could be. Could be. Bob, what do you have for us? Stocks are trading mostly higher right now. American consumers also are the most confident they've been in nearly 17 years. U.S. home prices rose a healthy clip in August. All this and more coming up today on Midday. Paul Perkins steps in to take a look at ag weather, and we've been having kind of a kick looking at the radar and the webcams and stuff that are out there. It took a long time, but now Aurora is really getting... Yeah, Aurora, pretty white there. Grand Island, pretty white. Uh, pretty good band of snow currently from the Nebraska Sand Hills, from Thedford and Dunny down to around Broken Bow, Grand Island. 
towards the Hastings, Aurora, and Hebron area right now. Uh, some pretty good snow. Not going to amount to a whole lot, but it's white out there. Well, Mother Nature knew that there was going to be a trick or a treat, and we big old trick. can always count on Mother Nature to bring us that trick. It's brought to you by... Coleman Repair, and here's Paul. And uh, there's a lady in our office kind of spreading this bad rumor that there's a lore that whenever the first snow occurs, the date, the number on that date is the number of snows you're going to get this year. So uh, that's not a good rumor to be spreading around. <laughs> no, we'll snows. keep that under, under wraps here, I think. Yeah. But we do have the trailing edge of the snow. Basically from about North Platte, Kearney, and Lexington, it's mainly to the southwest, but the leaning edge of that snow is starting to move towards Burwell, on towards the Seward and Lincoln area. Also a fair amount of snow over north central Kansas, Smith Center to Concordia and points to the south, and a little bit of it left over as you head towards Oberlin and St. Francis in northwestern Kansas. A report of just under an inch of rain and uh, just under an inch of snow in the Dresden area in Decatur, Kansas, in northwest Kansas, just to the south of North um, Oberlin, Kansas. Our chances for snow mixing with some rain continuing to move from west to east today. It's all thanks to a disturbance off low pressure in Colorado. It tracked a little bit farther to the north than expected. Most of this was expected to be in Kansas yesterday, maybe in the extreme southern Nebraska, but a little farther to the north on the track is giving us this light snow across the area. Accumulations of about an inch are possible over northern portions of Kansas to about a half an inch in southern Nebraska. Despite our south winds, the cloud cover keeping our temperatures about 20 degrees colder than normal for today, as a lot of us only have temperatures right now still in the upper 20s. We will see a westerly downslope flow for tomorrow. That'll clear out most of the clouds. We'll start to see some clearing late tonight. We'll warm temperatures back up to slightly warmer than normal for tomorrow. If you're doing some trick-or-treating, right now just a slight chance of snow left in the forecast for the early evening hours and temperatures in the low 30s with some south winds at about 10 to 15 tonight. Our wild swing of up and down temperatures will continue into early next week. We have that nice day for tomorrow. Then we cool down with another cold front for Thursday and Friday. A warm-up is back for over the weekend with the ridge of high pressure. Some cooler air with another front as we head towards Monday. Now, in our long-term forecast, the temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas predicted to be mostly seasonal to slightly warmer than normal Sunday through November 13th. We're right on the edge of some warmer-than-normal air to the south and also some much cooler than normal air to the northwest and north central part of the U.S. Now, early November highs in central Nebraska usually are in the low to mid-50s with overnight lows on average in the upper 20s to the low 30s. Our precipitation outlook in Nebraska and Kansas expects to see mostly below normal precipitation Sunday through the 13th. Our weather factors in the market trade include a mainly dry trend this week for the western Midwest, rain slowing the harvest in the eastern Midwest, and a wetter trend for central Brazil. Rain and thunderstorms will develop across the western Gulf Coast and expand from the Texas coast into the lower Great Lakes the next several days. That's going to keep the harvest slow or delayed in the eastern Midwest with light to moderate rain. The western Midwest will see drier conditions and a more beneficial pattern for harvest. The U.S. corn harvest is past the halfway mark, 54% completed nationally, 
but that is at least 20 percentage points behind the five-year average. Across the northern plains, winter wheat is struggling to become well-established due to drought, followed by periods of rain, snow, and cold weather. Only 17 percent of the crop in good to excellent condition in South Dakota, along with 22 percent in Montana. Central Brazil will see a more beneficial pattern of rain for planting and developing soybeans the next few days. Southern Brazil, where they need some drier weather, will stay dry through Thursday night. Argentina's crop belt will continue to see mostly favorable conditions for planting and development of corn and also for the development of their winter wheat. We're seeing some pretty strong areas of uh, pockets of snow here, but it's uh, a little more widespread than that. You look at the worst of it, and it looks pretty bad for a while, but it doesn't stick around all that long. No, you know, we just uh, got a light dusting here at the KRVN studio in most of Nebraska, not expected to see a whole lot, especially when you consider we had these warm temperatures over the last week or so, and so any snow that does fall, not going to last long. Moving across pretty quick, but just about everybody looks like they're going to get something. As temperatures get up above freezing, it's probably going to be rain by the time it gets to portions of eastern Nebraska. And when you need weather anytime, it's at krbn.com. Paul Perkins steps in to take a look at ag weather, and we've been having kind of a kick looking at the radar and the webcams and stuff that are out there. It took a long time, but now Aurora is really getting... Yeah, Aurora, pretty white there. Grand Island, pretty white. Uh... Pretty good band of snow currently from the Nebraska Sandhills, from Thedford and Dunny down to around Broken Bow, Grand Island, and towards the Hastings, Aurora, and Hebron area right now. Uh, some pretty good snow. Not going to amount to a whole lot, but it's white out there. Well, Mother Nature knew that there was going to be a <laughs> trick or a treat, and we big old trick. can always count on Mother <laughs> Nature to bring us that trick. It's brought to you by... Coleman Repair, and here's Paul. And uh, there's a lady in our office kind of spreading this bad rumor that there's a lore that whenever the first snow occurs, the date, the number on that date is the number of snows you're going to get this year. So uh, that's not a good rumor to be spreading around. <laughs> no, we'll snows. keep that under, under wraps here, I think. Yeah. But we do have the trailing edge of the snow. Basically from about North Platte, Kearney, and Lexington, it's mainly to the southwest, but the leaning edge of that snow is starting to move towards Burwell, on towards the Seward and Lincoln area. Also a fair amount of snow over north central Kansas, Smith Center to Concordia and points to the south, and a little bit of it left over as you head towards Oberlin and St. Francis in northwestern Kansas. A report of just under an inch of rain and uh, just under an inch of snow in the Dresden area in Decatur, Kansas, in northwest Kansas, just to the south of North um, Oberlin, Kansas. Our chances for snow mixing with some rain continuing to move from west to east today. It's all thanks to a disturbance off low pressure in Colorado. It tracked a little bit farther to the north than expected. Most of this was expected to be in Kansas yesterday, maybe in the extreme southern Nebraska, but a little farther to the north on the track is giving us this light snow across the area. Accumulations of about an inch are possible over northern portions of Kansas to about a half an inch in southern Nebraska. Despite our south winds, the cloud cover keeping our temperatures about 20 degrees colder than normal for today, as a lot of us only have temperatures right now still in the upper 20s. We will see a westerly downslope flow for tomorrow. That will clear out most of the clouds. We'll start to see some clearing late tonight. We'll warm temperatures back up to slightly warmer than normal for tomorrow. If you're doing some trick-or-treating, right now just a slight chance of snow left in the forecast for the early evening hours and temperatures in the low 30s with some south winds at about 10 to 15 tonight. Our wild swing of up and down temperatures will continue into early next week. We have that nice day for tomorrow. 
Then we cooled out with another cold front for Thursday and Friday. A warm-up is back for over the weekend with the ridge of high pressure. Some cooler air with another front as we head towards Monday. Now, in our long-term forecast, the temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas predicted to be mostly seasonal to slightly warmer than normal Sunday through November 13th. We're right on the edge of some warmer-than-normal air to the south and also some much cooler than normal air to the northwest and north central part of the U.S. Now, early November highs in central Nebraska usually are in the low to mid-50s with overnight lows on average in the upper 20s to the low 30s. Our precipitation outlook in Nebraska and Kansas expects to see mostly below normal precipitation Sunday through the 13th. Our weather factors in the market trade include a mainly dry trend this week for the western Midwest, rain slowing the harvest in the eastern Midwest, and a wetter trend for central Brazil. Rain and thunderstorms will develop across the western Gulf Coast and expand from the Texas coast into the lower Great Lakes the next several days. That's going to keep the harvest slow or delayed in the eastern Midwest with light to moderate rain. The western Midwest will see drier conditions and a more beneficial pattern for harvest. The U.S. corn harvest is past the halfway mark, 54% completed nationally, but that is at least 20 percentage points behind the five-year average. Across the northern plains, winter wheat is struggling to become well-established due to drought, followed by periods of rain, snow, and cold weather. Only 17% of the crop in good to excellent condition in South Dakota, along with 22% in Montana. Central Brazil will see a more beneficial pattern of rain for planting and developing soybeans the next few days. Southern Brazil, where they need some drier weather, will stay dry through Thursday night. Argentina's crop belt will continue to see mostly favorable conditions for planting and development of corn and also for the development of their winter wheat. We're seeing some pretty strong areas of uh, pockets of snow here, but it's uh, a little more widespread than that. You look at the worst of it, and it looks pretty bad for a while, but it doesn't stick around all that long. No, you know, we just uh, got a light dusting here at the KRVN studio in most of Nebraska, not expected to see a whole lot, especially when you consider we had these warm temperatures over the last week or so, and so any snow that does fall, not going to last long. Moving across pretty quick, but just about everybody looks like they're going to get something. As temperatures get up above freezing, it's probably going to be rain by the time it gets to portions of eastern Nebraska. And when you need weather anytime, it's at krbn.com. Welcome back to the program. Time to be thinking ahead to 2018. Dewey Nelson with Dean Hefta, Director, Water Street Solutions. Dean, as harvest continues in much of the country, what might we start thinking about with regard to next year? Yes, we're certainly in the midst of harvest, and it isn't much of a stretch to really be spending that time thinking about 18 and even beyond. It's a great time for that. And when you're thinking about 2018 planning, you think about what are the things that are going through my mind? Is it things like, how am I going to think about next year, even though I don't have this year finished yet? Uh, And that's okay. And if you haven't started, this is a great time as you're going through the field, as you're thinking about wrapping up 17's work, to begin thinking about how do I work on my mindset and the decisions that I need to work on for 2018. I guess the next question would be, how can that planning help? Well, maybe you have some concerns about the upcoming year, uh, whether it's you know financial concerns, perhaps, or operational concerns. The key is facing those concerns head on. 
not burying your head in the sand and being fearful of what you might find out by getting too close to them. Typically, concerns go down as we get closer to the facts and understand what reality is. A couple of things that can happen is, you know, the closer you get to the reality of the situation, you realize, okay, it's, it's, maybe it's better than I was fearing it was. Or maybe, um, you know, my nature is that I typically play out the worst case scenario and I start uh, looking at what are the probabilities of that happening. And, uh, you know, that situation might not look great, might be ugly, but being aware of reality and what the future looks like helps us to be more proactive and we can begin formulating some actions about what we have to deal with. Next, I would ask you, how can we get started with this? Well, I, you know, I would start with taking the time this fall to really think about what uh, we want for the future of the operation, get, get further out in time, and then you can back into what do we need to do now to make it happen. And, you know, think big picture first. What do I want my operation to look like in five or ten years? Focus on purpose. You know, why do I want to work towards these goals? How do they fit in to what's important to me? What's the bigger reason, you could say, that I'm doing this? Another one is a reality check. What is our farm's current financial situation? Do I have a good handle on that? And then have I built good projections or am I in the process of building good projections for next year? If you don't have that, because that becomes a great dashboard, you know, look for an ag financial advisor that can help with that. The coming year, what are my goals for 2018? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to get done? And then now into the plans for action. What are the actions that I need to take to achieve those goals? What are the areas that I'm going to focus on? What will I need help with? What are the resources that I'm going to need to help me out? And then plan for accountability. Uh, as a farmer, we're, we're fairly autonomous in our business. So thinking about how am I going to create accountability Who's going to hold me accountable? How do I share with people what's going to get accomplished? And that accountability is really important. So 2018 can be fearful, but I believe it's very important to just face it head on, look at the numbers in reality, build some plans. And uh, that's a lot of what we're doing right now. Our advisors are working with our clients, just really getting ready for 2018 and beyond. Thanks for the information. For more, go to waterstreet.org or call 866 866- 249-2528. Today we were thinking ahead to 2018 with Dean Hefta, Director, Water Street Solutions. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. It's time to check sports with Brandon Betts. Good afternoon, Dirk. The Los Angeles Dodgers were baseball's best team during the regular season, piling up 104 wins, blasting 53 homers in June alone, and finishing up with a 43-7 and run in August. Now they're just one loss away from being eliminated in their first World Series appearance since 1988. Los Angeles trails the Houston Astros 3-2, heading into Game 6 tonight at Dodger Stadium. Dodgers lefty Rich Hill opposes the Astros' Justin Verlander tonight in a rematch of Game 2. That night, both teams wound up combining for a series record eight home runs with Houston holding on for a 7-6 win in 11 innings. The Kansas City Chiefs are 6-2 after Travis Kelsey caught seven passes for 133 yards and a touchdown in a 29-19 win over Denver last night in Kansas City. Marcus Peters opened the scoring by returning a fumble from former Chief Jamal Charles 45 yards for a touchdown five and a half minutes into the game. Broncos quarterback Trevor Simeon was picked off three times and the Broncos fumbled twice. Denver head coach Vance Joseph says this type of play just won't cut it. 
have a problem with us giving the football away and simple execution of uh, catching the punt or catching the kickoff return. You know, when it's a when it's a backed up kickoff return where you should make a play out of it, you know, to to muff the ball twice. I have a problem with those things. Okay, throwing uh, interceptions and fumbling the football. After a strong start to the season, Denver has dropped three in a row. The Broncos now sit at three and four on the year. The San Francisco 49ers have acquired their quarterback of the future by trading for New England backup Jimmy Garoppolo. The Niners said yesterday that they agreed to send a 2018 second-round pick to the Patriots in the deal. It'll be official once Garoppolo passes a physical. The Niners, who are 0-8 on the year, had been expected to either draft a quarterback high in the first round or try to acquire a proven starter like Kirk Cousins in free agency. The University of Nebraska-Lincoln improved to 18-4 and on the season and 11-1 and in conference action over the weekend with big wins over Michigan State and Michigan. Head coach John Cook is looking forward to being back at home this weekend. Purdue's another ranked team fighting for their lives in the Big Ten, and uh, I didn't realize we were five out of seven. Out, our last five out of seven have been on the road. I never even thought about that until they brought it up yesterday, but it'll be nice to be at home this weekend and uh, with football here it always makes it electric and looking forward to another big Husker weekend we got to keep keep grinding through this conference. The Huskers will have four straight home matches as they attempt to keep the lead in the Big Ten standings. NU is currently tied with Penn State as they each have lost just once in conference action. Friday's match versus Purdue starts at 7 p.m. in Lincoln. And two University of South Dakota football players have been arrested and charged over an alleged sexual assault. The Vermilion South Dakota Police Department said that Danny Rambo Jr. has been charged with second-degree rape and Dale Williamson Jr. has been charged with attempted second-degree rape. The South Dakota football program announced the suspension of three players over the weekend, including the two charged on Monday. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is just ahead. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Mostly cloudy skies in the forecast tonight. Lows upper 20s in the east and central to the mid-30s in the west. I'm Dave Schroeder. Some schools haven't opened and others remain in lockdown following a law enforcement chase in western Nebraska's Kimball County. The Kimball County Sheriff's Office says a chase ended around 1.30 this morning near the Kimball and Cheyenne County line. The office says the armed suspect or suspects fled on foot and soon stole a pickup truck. No arrests reported. The Kimball School District canceled classes today. As a result, Potter Dix District Superintendent Mike Williams says his school buildings did open for classes but remain in lockdown. He says parents were allowed to keep their children home. He says about 15% of the district's 173 students didn't show up versus less than 10% on a normal day. Greg Ibaugh was sworn in yesterday in Omaha as Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs. Governor Pete Ricketts attended in person and later commented at a news conference at the state capitol on the federal government's gain. I want to congratulate Greg Ibaugh for being the new Undersecretary of Markets and Regulatory Programs. It's very exciting to have a Nebraskan in the USDA. He's done a great job here in uh, our state as the Director of Agriculture since 2005. It's hard to believe. He's served under three governors, so that's exciting. And we've had a number of candidates who uh, have expressed, or a number of people who have expressed an interest in that position. And so we'll be reaching out to those folks and, and bringing those folks in to talk to them about what potentially uh, they might be able to do for the state. 
Governor Ricketts also addressed the loss of Nebraska Economic Development Director Courtney Dentlinger. I really want to wish Courtney well. She's done a fantastic job. Uh, she's making the priority for her family, which is absolutely appropriate. And so wish her well in her next opportunity. And same deal, we're going to go look for you know good folks who are interested in helping us out here at the state as the Director of Economic Development. And um, I've talked to some people already who are interested, so we'll just have to bring them along and, and see, um, see what we can do. Rickett says he expects to hire outside the departments for both positions. The Kansas Corporation Commission has rejected a request from three gas companies sticking to its original ruling that they need to speed up the replacement of obsolete pipeline deemed a safety risk. The commission ruled in September for Atmos Energy, Black Hills Energy, and Kansas Gas Service to create a 10-year plan to replace unprotected steel pipes. The companies also have to recoup funds at up to 40 cents per month per customer. Replay the game, the interview, or feature you missed by catching a podcast from the front page of krvn.com. In the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Drones are buzzing toward increased crop production. Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett. On today's Newsmaker, we're talking about a new research project funded by the USDA and the Doherty Water for Food Global Institute at the University of Nebraska. The project seeks to deploy unmanned aircraft, often referred to as drones, in search of improved crop irrigation efficiency. And joining me to talk about this topic is Wayne Wolt. He's the director of Nebraska Unmanned Aircraft Innovation Research and Education Laboratory. Wayne, just to start out, tell us a little bit about this project. Okay, well, um, we're real excited to uh, be awarded this project from the Department of Agriculture and the uh, Dougherty Water for Food Institute. And uh, basically, it's one of the first attempts to utilize unmanned aircraft, or as they're commonly called, drones, to help with uh, agricultural water management. And in this more specific case, uh, center pivot irrigation systems. The project is uh, focused on more precise and accurate application of irrigated water using unmanned aircraft to help inform decision-making about uh, application of water on more of what I would call a uh, real-time basis or near real-time basis. Um, the technologies, unmanned aircraft technologies are evolving uh, very fast, very rapidly. They're amazing technologies and um, uh, they offer this unique opportunity to view the agricultural landscape or fields, individual fields, from a uh, strategic perspective and that being an aerial perspective where a tremendous amount of information can be gathered and then uh, utilized. So I want to ask you, uh, especially with our listening audience, a lot of people have drones in this day and age. are becoming a very hot and kind of an upcoming thing. But the drones that you're using aren't necessarily the ones that we might see out there currently. Talk about the kind of drones you use and the technology they have on board to, to do this kind of water management. Yes, uh, that's correct. Um, for the most part, a lot of the drones that are out there are what we might consider as uh, you know, get it, put up the drone and get a quick look at what's going on 
Uh, you know, see if you see anything that would be alarming. And that's that's very powerful. That's a great application. Um, we kind of think of that as kind of a low-hanging fruit type of application, fairly easy to do, uh, but yet very powerful. And what we're doing is we're seeking to move the bar uh, further in terms of gathering um, real uh, you know, actionable decision-making type of information. Um, and that involves uh, fairly sophisticated unmanned aircraft. We're using a uh, what we call a VTOL or a vertical takeoff and landing type of aircraft that also flies like an airplane. So um, it's uh, again, it's fairly sophisticated, uh, quite advanced, and um, it also is operated by an autopilot system. So it's fully autonomous when it's flying. We uh, set up the, the flight mission, um, define all the variables, and there's a number of variables to define, and then uh, release the aircraft, and it flies the mission and returns. Um, we have on board uh, a couple of sensors. Um, the sensors that we're using are thermal, uh, which identify temperatures on the ground. Uh, or on the, the surface, could be the crop canopy, for example, if there's crop there. And also a multispectral sensor, five-band multispectral sensor that um, uh, zeroes in on certain bands or frequencies and uh, then uh, uh, identifies the response uh, from the crop canopy to those frequencies. combination of the aircraft and the sensors is uh, is fairly advanced and uh, you know, very much research-oriented. Talk about uh, how big of a future you see drones and agriculture specifically doing this advanced research in fields. Uh, do you see this taking off uh, largely in 20, 25 years? And talk about uh, how big you think that can get. Well, the uh, projections from a number of different sources, um, it's not just this is just one source, but a number of different let's say, market analyses, opportunity analyses, tend to indicate that agriculture is, will be the single largest uh, user of unmanned aircraft or drone types of technologies. Um, estimates are generally in the order of 70% of the uh, drone market will uh, be consumed by agriculture. There's a fair amount of research that needs to take place um, in terms of uh, you know, multiple perspectives, the aircraft themselves and their ease of use, as well as the information that's gathered and, uh, and then uh, processing of that information into uh, actionable or decision types of, it, uh, of uh, capacity or capability. And Wayne, it sounds like there's certainly a lot of research that can happen in this area, and that's exactly the research that you all are doing with this new project. So I appreciate you coming on and telling us a little bit more about this project, about using drones for water management. Again, that was Wayne Wolt. He's the director of Nebraska Unmanned Aircraft Innovation Research and Education Laboratory. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. 
October 25th, the House Judiciary Committee approved the AG Act, H.R. 492. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. The bill includes the HC2 that would replace the H2A guest worker program and provide American farmers with access to a legal, stable supply of workers. Jesse Herman, Director of Legal and Regulatory Affairs with the Nebraska Cattlemen, says the organization has been calling for this kind of program all along. It would replace H2A. So, yeah, we're, we're really supportive. We've been advocating for years that we've got to have a visa program that includes year-round workers. Uh, there's a lot of challenges within the current H2A system. It does not work hardly at all for our industry. So anything that would be a year-round visa program, uh, it really will help with the kind of worker shortages that we've seen in the cattle industry for sure. And then they'll, I guess, sunset H2A and then put in place this H2C visa program, and that will be year-round. If the guest worker program goes into effect, Herman and her organization is looking for a more streamlined process for both workers and producers. I think it definitely will. I know it also would change the visa program. It would shift it from the Department of Labor to the Department of Agriculture, and that's something we've advocated for for a long time. I think that would really, you know, we want folks implementing that program that understand our industry. So that would really make it a lot more workable for our workers and allow our people in our industry to access, you know, a legal and stable supply of workers. And it'll ultimately help our industry continue to grow. Under the proposal, foreign workers would be allowed an initial stay of 36 months. Subsequent visas for year-round agricultural jobs and all other H-2C visas would afford a work period of 18 months. While this is a step in the right direction, Herman says there are still some aspects to the bill the cattlemen would like to see addressed. I think right now, as written, we would like to certainly see a little bit more flexibility with the touchback provisions. Obviously, cattle must be fed daily. Uh, the business you know, can't simply shut down for 45 days while the workers are forced to go home. We would like to work with the drafters on kind of creating a little bit more flexibility. I understand there's probably some politics involved on what the decision to make that 45 days is, but certainly any flexibility that they would provide would be a little bit more welcome than what is currently there. I think the cap, too, is pretty low. Obviously, anything that would allow that cap to continue growing would be great. I'm not sure if it grows under the bill or if it stays at 400,000. I, I feel or 450,000. I think it grows, um, so that's great. We'd probably want it to grow more. So you know, that's definitely some areas for improvement. I would point out. Herman's hopeful the process to see the bill signed is swift, but mentions some things which could hold the bill up. Now we'll need the full House to vote on it and then the full Senate. We would love to see that happen. I think the problem will probably be whatever you've got an immigration bill moving, then that's you know obviously a vehicle for folks to tackle on a bunch of other things and uh, they have some different you know political ideas about what they'd like to see with immigration reform. And so keeping that bill clean and getting it through both chambers and getting it signed into law would be very beneficial. I'm very hopeful that will happen. The bill would also streamline the process and expedite the time between employers applying for workers and receiving them. In the H-2A program, harvest is often already finished before the process is completed. Putting the new program under USDA should also increase understanding of the agricultural needs. The AG Act also allows experienced, unauthorized agriculture workers to join the H-2C program and provides more flexibility to American farmers with respect to housing and transportation. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. 
Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Well, let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. And the bad news is, contract lows reached in winter wheat futures, correct? Yeah, just another down day. You know, if if you if I was doing a livestock report, I could flip around and be super optimistic. Uh, at this moment here, we're, you know, in the doldrums, so to speak, uh, just, you know, it kind of feels like directional money flow is dictating this trade right now. Uh, obviously, we can discuss the factors until we're blue in the face of why prices should be lower in grains. Um, but it seems like what has worked really the whole quarter uh, or, you know, this last month of October so far is what worked today. And I think we saw an exacerbation of that. Wheat, you know, breaking through that low of 420 and I think just seeing some shorts covered there. Um, announcement that Russia was, you know, essentially exporting a massive amount of grain. I, I, there were some expectations they were only going to limit exports to somewhere around, oh, I think it was like 3 million metric tons a month, and I think they did 4 million this last month. So uh, they're just out there taking market share. And, you know, this has been the theme really for the last three to four years where, and really going back, I think, to the, to the the Obama sanctions on, on Putin way back when he invaded Crimea. The result of that has been cheap ruble and, uh, you know, the result of, of high yields over in Russia has just been an eat away at U.S. market share. There's some news that could come down over the next week out of Brazil, uh, possibly opening up some uh, tax-free imports, and they're thinking that maybe the U.S. could get some hard red wheat business out of that, but at this point, we're still working from a big, massive supply, both globally and domestically. And Corn kind of um, took its cue from wheat today, didn't it? Yeah, I think that's you know safe to say we've just money flow dictating. I, I'm looking at March contracts now as a place where if you if you're looking to reown, you know maybe let this thing trade down a dime. I don't think we'll go much below 340 December. The key, in, in my opinion, Dewey, and if you want to catch a move to the upside, I don't think it's in the physical because we catch a 15 cent move. I think the base is going to widen out. So I, I'm almost simply to say tell guys just move the corn on schedule, get rid of it if you want to get rid of it, and just try to reown the paper. And if you can catch a 15 20 cent move optimistically, uh, you know you can catch it all, whereas I think, you know, basis is 35 under, in some places 40 under, maybe we widen out a nickel on a rally, uh, you know, of a 10 to 15 cent nature. So I don't look for anything to change in the short term, but over the long run, I like the, like the price action we've seen from the outside markets, crude oil, stock market, cattle, I mean, a lot of things are working right now, but uh, the grains are certainly obsessed about the supply in the field. Definitely. Thanks, John. John Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Didn't talk about soybeans because it was very low trading volume there. However, we finished unchanged to one cent higher in the soybean contracts. I'm Dewey Nelson.